9:25 through 27. As he says also in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people, and her, her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea. Morning. Go ahead and turn to uh, Romans on Sunday morning. And courage, man, it takes a, a good chunk of courage on his part as well. What a great example for all of us. Um, there is, there's always things that we can do that are courageous for God uh, that may not seem courageous to others, but it's courageous for us. And God asked us just to step out, and we do that. And I know, I've, I've told people this before, that, that every time before I, I get up to speak, there's a part of me that wants to run out the door and, and just hide. And, and, that's, um, and I'm okay with that um, because I have to rely on God ultimately to say, all right, God, you're, you're in control here, and let's, let's do this again, and we'll go for it. And, um, and that's, that's part of living out God's, God's plan for us. And sometimes I know that I'd find myself thinking, saying something like, well, I'm not comfortable with that. God has never called us to be comfortable. He's called us to be courageous, and, and that's something that I think every one of us, maybe that's a great lesson that, that we continue to learn from this morning, is, is be courageous, and whatever God steps, puts in front of us, let's, uh, let's just go for it. Let's conquer it and see where, see where God may lead us at any given time. Uh, before we jump in less, I want to give you just a heads up, because we had, um, have a few minutes here. There is, I know that there's, uh, we haven't talked about it for a while, but Flocknote is, is a software we use to make announcements and just keep people up to date on different things that are happening, like when there's a special event coming up. Uh, there is, you can go to the churches, any technical glitches or whatever, um, talk with me and we'll, we'll work through that. But what it does is it allows, uh, there's a, blow your phone up, then it's fair game. Everything that, that any prayer that comes, things that are happening here in, here in the community. All right, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 9. Now, last week, we, we went through Romans chapter 8, which could, we could take weeks to go through all the tremendous stuff that is in there. But what happens is Paul is, is talking about this, this dark side that we have in chapter 7 leading up, the side that we, we want to do good, but we just can't seem to do good, and we just fight back and forth and trying to be the person that God wants us to be. And then chapter 8, he says, but... In all this, we are more than conquerors, and we have conquered, we're able to conquer the sinful nature and to, to lay it aside and know that we, we haven't been, we aren't what we're going to be someday when we go to be with God, but we are far much further along than we were before. And through God's holy trash, uh, mapped it out once, and then we, uh, we decided to, to go through deacons for the church. Uh, the spring, and so I abbreviated the process. And my original plan was to just look at chapters 9 through 11, because what Paul does here is like he calls a timeout and says, All right, you're more than conquerors, but before I talk about what that means to be more than conquerors, I'm going to give a timeout here, and, and we're going to deal with something that we've got to deal with that's right here in the middle of all of, all of you. The elephant in the room we're going to talk about. And so part of me wanted to say, All right, that's what I'm going to say. Chapters 9 through 11, the elephant in the room that, yes, the Gentiles can become Christians now and, and the Jews need to be okay with that and just move on. But the more I, I when I read through it, uh, well, at least I need to make sure I read through it before we skip to chapter 12 and get into some of the brass tacks, the stuff that's, that's really practical. As I read through, what I couldn't help but think is, man, th this is, how can I skip over three chapters without even talking about it 
um, because there's so much here in chapters 9 through 11 that is helpful for us. And I, I found this time going through, it's a lot more practical for myself than, um, than maybe I've noticed before. And so we're going to go through it and spend a few minutes here walking through this chapter 9, 11, and then we're going to get into chapter tw- 12 next, next week, the, the nuts and bolts practical information that, uh, or practical guidance that Paul gives. And Hey, Romans 9 starts off with um, Paul telling the, the Romans, saying, all right, I really love Israel. So let's go to chapter 9. I'll start reading in verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Hey, so Paul talk, makes this mention here, who is Jewish. Was, was planned to be, a, tried to form him into the, the best Jewish people, things that, that we have. This adoption to sonship. You know, Israel, when you go you into a great nation, uh, we see that, that Moses did there when they came to Mount Sinai. The covenants, the Ten Commandments, the covenant that's made with the Israelites there, that he was going to be their God, they were going to be his people, and he was always going to take care of them. Those covenants we read about, that, that Israel had those, that Israel had the receiving of the law, You'd imagine Moses coming down, and, and the first time it didn't go so well because he came down and the people were involved in idolatry and sacrificing to a golden calf and all of this. But he brought those Ten Commandments down and, uh, and, and spoke the rest of the law and how the people were supposed to be and to honor God. And, and Paul is saying, those are my people. Those are my people. We received that. We had the temple worship. After time, we, David designed or helped design with God's help, and uh, Solomon built the temple of God. And that has stood for a while, and it's been rebuilt, and there's still a temple here. We're, that's something we can be really proud of. There's the promises of God that he's made, that he's going to, to bless us, he's going to protect us, he's going to walk us through all different situations in life. And twice he has brought us back from slavery. Twice it's happened, and God continues to keep his promises. And the patriarchs, the, these great people of faith that we look back in, uh, like Abraham, who is... He, he was really old and 100 years old when he had Isaac. And he and his wife, there's no way biologically that they should have been able to pull that off. But God blessed them and allowed that to happen. And that's my history. And from that lineage comes the Messiah, this great Messiah that was going to come. And so I look at my people and I'm excited and I'm proud of my people. But as Paul says, I, I myself, I would die for my people. One of them to the through these three. really proud of this heritage and at the point that it becomes our own righteousness and that for example you look at chapter 10 here starting in verse 1 brothers and sisters my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved again you can see Paul pouring his heart out saying I want my people to come to God and I want them to submit to Jesus for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God but their zeal is not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not dis- submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And so what Paul is saying is that there's so many of my own people, because of their heritage, they look back and say, no, we've got Moses, we've got the prophets, we've got Abraham, we've got all of these people. Why on earth do we need Jesus? 
And Paul's point is Jesus is the culmination of everything that was supposed to happen. Jesus is more Jewish than anything else that's happened, if we want to say it that way. He, he, we were all supposed to, to be excited about this Messiah to come. But my people rely on their heritage more than they do on their faith in God. Um, you think about how, uh, how that would have played out. You read the book of Acts. You see this. This happened. Is people over and over again saying, we're not going to listen to the words of Jesus because we have Moses. We know that God talked with Moses. We don't know who this Jesus guy or where he came from or any of that. And we're just not going to pay attention. We're not going to... Is that our heritage doesn't make us righteous. It doesn't family something about this. If you look at chapter 9, verse 8, there's a phrase here that's the children by physical descent who are God. And so basically what Paul says here is that just because a person has the right clothes, has the right last name, has comes from the right tribe, all that type of thing, does not mean that they are part of the people of God. It does not mean that they're part of Israel. But it's the people that have submitted themselves to the promises of God. And that means some Gentiles. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. But this is, is Paul takes issue with his own people, saying we've, we've got some shortcomings here. Not only that, but we tend to rely on the works of the law as a way to righteousness. Look at chapter 9, verse 30. What then shall we say, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling. And so just imagine this situation. If you have been uh, one who, is, uh, who has, has spent your entire life learning and being taught that what it means to follow God is making sure that if you have all of this spice that you're given, that you work through all this spice and you take ten pieces of spice or nine pieces of spice you put over here, you take the tenth over there to make sure that you give a tenth to God. If you have ten sheep, you make sure that you give one of them to God. And, and you've gone through that, which is exactly what God called you to do in the Old Testament, was to tithe and to give a tenth to God that went to the temple and, and, and that. But the problem was, is that somewhere along the line, that became, instead of a response to God and, the, and just above, no, no it's, it's not, and they'll talk about that here in just a minute. But just imagine how tough that is for you if you spent your entire life touch of God. This, this you imagine how tough that is? Wait a minute. No, you've got to go through a system. You've got to go through all of this. You've got to go through everything. You need to, as, as the Jews oftentimes, the Jewish Christian would say, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to wear the right clothes. You've got to do all this stuff before you come to God. And, and Paul's saying, no, they don't. But just imagine. It's like that older brother that's, that's, that's been uh, the parable that Jesus tells the, the younger son goes off and squanders the wealth. The older brother stay at home, has stayed at home and he's been a good worker and has, has, done, has been responsible. And then all of a sudden, here comes this young son coming back and he's accepted into the family again. And that's tough. That's what some of these Roman Christians, the Jewish Christians, are wrestling with. Is that, wait a minute here. I have, all of a sudden, I've got to allow these people in here again. And that's the number three. They resist the Gentiles being included into God's kingdom. In chapter 11, verses 11 through 24, Paul spends time giving an analogy. Talks about a tree and a tree that has grown up, and the branches uh, go out and they're and are fruitful. Now just imagine apple tree. Apple trees grow here, so we're familiar with that. But you imagine these apple tree grows up and it's it's fruitful. Have you ever seen an apple tree where there's lots of? It reminds him. He says there's a whole lot of people that have just 
dead branches. They're not producing fruit. They may think God does is he cuts them off. And the Gentiles have been, anybody who wants to come to the kingdom of God, has been grasped let go because they have not been faithful to God. Or if tried to achieve faithfulness by through that and just says, here's the deal. Anybody that comes to God, you can't stand in their way. Um, God wants everybody to come to him. But for you and me, we'll say it, we'll call it, we'll try to put ourselves in the situation of these people. Just imagine how tough that would be that all of a sudden you've got to change everything up. Now all of a sudden you've got people coming into the assembly and it's what, what you want to do is make them Jewish, make them look like you and make them talk like you and, and that you, that's what you want for them. And for, you definitely don't want their bringing them, them bringing their, their um, terrible dishes and meals that they cook into the, the meals that you share. The Jews had very strict ceremonial and dietary laws. They did not eat pork. They didn't do those that you could see. Like, go back in the Old Testament. You see all of that. And all of a sudden, these Jews avoid. People, uh, as during the, the time in between, giving their lives and submitting themselves to execution that were ruling before the Romans came, would try at times to force the Jews to eat bacon or eat pork. They would not um, just deny their faith. And so all of a sudden, just imagine what a big change it is for you. All of a sudden, these people, as Jesus has said, everything is clean to eat. Bring it in and eat it. These people are having to wrestle through. We're having to wrestle through. How do I, how do I undo all of this way of, of understanding God that I've had before? What am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to proceed? This is hard on me, and it, I, I have to wrestle with it. If you go back to Romans chapter 1, remember there's a, a theme verse that we talked about. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. Again, we rely on heritage for righteousness. We rely on works of the law for right to have these new people here part of our community at all. It makes us uncomfortable. And we would love to go back to the old every time we come together. And that's hard. And so as I pondered through myself, what does this mean for me? How, do I, how does this apply to me? After I ask, what did this mean for them? How does it, what does it mean for me? The question came up is, can we be like Israel? Is that possible? And I find that as people, we don't change a whole lot, going from one generation to the next to the next. We don't change a whole lot. But is it possible for us to rely on our heritage as a means to righteousness? Yeah, I believe so. I think that happens sometimes. As we have maybe our, um, let me ask this question. How many of you, and I, I think I asked this once before, how many of you grew up in a godly Christian home and, and you had Christian parents that showed you godliness? Go ahead and raise your hand, okay? How many of you grew up in a home where you did not have parents that showed you godliness and you became a Christian later in life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, okay. I know that for myself, being one who grew up uh, as we talked about when we first got into Romans, historical Christians, people that I've had, you know, going back generations, people that have been faith, people of faith. Why my parents were okay with raising my sister and I in Libby, Montana, which was a long ways away from Spearman, Texas, where my father grew up, is this family. I look at, just for example, we had 
Uh, she was number three of seven children. And she, all exciting times in the Oni household you get. And my mother, mother's siblings have made. All of them grew up with parents that were godly, that, that wanted, um, wanted them to follow God and, and, um, and tried to demonstrate that. And my grandfather, he passed away before I was born, but I understood there was times where he would load up the station wagon and, and take, um, take all the kids and everywhere to a small church that was nearby that needed someone to teach. And so he would go and do that. Um, and he, he tried to live out his faith in, in all sorts of ways like that. My mom's oldest sister um, decided to, to um, abandon her faith um, as, after she became an adult at some point in time. And she has passed away since and uh, has, uh, in the last many years of her life, had no room in her life for God whatsoever. My mom's older brother, the one that's closest to her, the one that she grew up with, a lot of people know this, this aspect, but you remember when the, you remember the space shuttle? How many of you remember the space shuttle? It's been retired a few years. When the space shuttle lands, there was some parachutes that came out the back, the smaller parachute. My mom's brother designed that. He did a lot of design work and would do a whole lot of stuff. He designed the, the water waste and because God gave him this, this skydivers today, the, the harnesses they use when they jump are harnesses. At some point in time that he was way too smart to believe in God. And he spent the last many years of his life moral disaster after the other um, personally and um, ended his life with a lot of heartache um, in, a, in a number of years ago. My mom, on the other hand, is one of the most holy, godly people I've ever seen in my life. You know, and they were born just within a few months of each other. My mom has lived a godly life. Her, a sister that is younger than her um, decided to, uh, that she was too smart for God as well. And then the last, the brother and two more sisters after that have uh, given their lives to Christ and have served um, her younger brother is gone. The two younger sisters are still alive and have done very, very well. Um, one of them is married to a guy who was an elder for a long term, very dedicated spiritual people. And so you just look at the family. What I saw looking at my mom's family is that people, as they grew up, decided to make decisions at some point in time. And some said, you know, I think on some level I can just rely on some family here who found themselves further and further away from God. Parent, and we can hopefully... we those of us that have grown up in contexts where we have have parents that have tried to lead us towards never ever should we think that I have a pass and I can get away with stuff and I don't have to walk hopefully we a road that will lead to destruction I've seen that in my own family and and how some of the, the my mom's brothers and sisters decided to to make choices in their own lives there so we can rely on heritage as a means to righteousness and how it applied with the Jews is sometimes they would follow the Jewish customs, but they were mean and nasty as snakes and didn't demonstrate mercy, justice, or any of those qualities that Paul uh, talks about as being important to follow God. So I think we can be like Israel that way some, in some ways. We can also be like Israel in that we rely on good works as a way to righteousness. Okay, Now that is, that's a sneaky one. Now that's a sneaky one that as people we tend towards to go back in this direction for whatever reason. Um, but if we think about it in, in these ways, there's a lot of good things that we can do for God, isn't there? Um, but if we use those things that we do for God to say, I do this, therefore I am more spiritual and closer to God than that person over there, then we're missing out. And what we're doing is we have just been deceived and working our way into believing that somehow works 
are going to earn our salvation. It's sneaky. Oh, man, it's sneaky. And we as people tend to find ourselves doing this, and that person's not as good as me because I'm doing this. But ultimately, what we're doing is saying, God, how righteous I am. You see the difference there? You see the difference? And it's sneaky, and it can, it can jump up on us or sneak up on us. But we can rely on good works as a way to write. We can do it. And, and it's sneaky that I saw that um, there was, uh, I think it's really a good example for us to use here. Where I lived before in Great Falls, the church there uh, is, is a different dynamic. There's a lot of, there's a huge military community there. So there's always people coming in and leaving. And on average, every three years, about a third of the church rotates in and out. Um, and so it's completely new. And that's not counting other people that move just because they, they move for a job or something like that. So if you go to the Great Falls Church 10 years ago and you go now, you're going to see very, very few people that are the same people. There's, there's just a, a huge turnover in that crew. And um, years ago, there was a feeling, I guess, there that, man, we've got all these military people that are coming in and out, and I just don't want to get to know them because they're going to break my heart and they're going to leave, and they always leave anyway, and so I'm just not going to get to, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to associate with them. And, and that was even said by people that were in leadership at times, is that I'm not going to, oh, they're military, I'm not going to associate with them. And it took a while, but the church there made a transition to say, no, that's not the right way to think about it. Because just because people are new to us does not mean they're new to God's kingdom, and they have something to bring to the table here. And not only that, is that maybe they're not going to be here for a long time, and there's a few people that move back with the military, there's not very many, there's a few, but it's windy and it's cold. But the, but the church there decided, no matter how long people are here, to bring them into our community of faith, that we can show them the good things that are happening in God's kingdom. If we can love on them, give them opportunities to grow, then who knows to take them next, and they're going to be able to do something. It changed the We decided, no, non-military. Everybody come. There's no second-class citizens here. But we want everybody to come in, no matter how long, if you're going to be here a month. or if you And there's, I believe it's, it's, it's possible for us, and we do it sometimes, is that when new people are coming into the kingdom of God, we already have, in fact, this is some of, as we get along and we get older and we've been Christians a while, we're sometimes, we're the worst at this. We already have all of our friends. We already have our life set up, and we don't have time to bring somebody else along and say, hey, I see that you're new. Will you come over for dinner at my house? Or, or something like that, that helps people to be able to connect into our lives. And so that's something I say for myself and for all of us, is make sure that, that we are people that by accident, we're not just accidentally pushing people away because we just don't have time on our schedule. Because whatever, whatever else we have going on, oftentimes we probably won't remember that for eternity. But all of us can probably remember someone that came alongside us at some point in time that gave us encouragement, that looked out for us, that helped us come into to a, a community of, of faith somewhere that made the difference for us. And every one of us can be that for somebody else um, in, in welcoming them into God's kingdom. Here's a few other nuggets that we get from chapters 9 through 11. A few things. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised you, profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. Also just taken out of context. Some is how they are trying to, to look like them, to dress like them, to talk like them. And that's, what, that's what's going to make them comfortable. 
If you could wear clothes like me, why don't you change your, let's, let's just, I feel better about it if you look like me. If you, if that just works a whole lot better. Now Paul is reminding them that in order to, to continue to be part of God's kingdom, what God asks of us is that we continue to proceed in faith and proceed in confessing the name of Jesus. And that's something that is tremendous news for us. Uh, that's powerful because it's not about continually having, um, continually having again, the right clothes or, or exactly the right ritual if we want to say it that way. But what it is is continually, day in, day out, saying, I'm going to be a person of faith today. And that's what keeps me in the covenant of God and keeps me going. Pretty good news, isn't it? <laughs> that's tremendous news. Man, that, that makes me, uh, I get goosebumps just reading that and thinking about that. Is how powerfully that is, how powerful that is, how God continues to richly bless us. And our job is to continue to be a person of faith. And also remember that Paul says here, who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Um, maybe there's a tendency for us in our world to always talk about, I think that God somewhere, is that there is a, the kindness and sternness of God. If we are walking the way God wants us to, faith and confession, then, um, then God's, God's going to appear pretty kind to us. But if we set our backs against God and we go the opposite direction, then God is going to appear very stern to us. And, and so that's something to remember, is that there's a, we, we don't ever want to put our back to God and try to walk away because the sternness is, is not worth it. We don't want to live that way. Also, uh, Romans 10, 14 and 15, How then... Can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In the middle of all of this, and, in, and I've talked about the Romans fog. Sometimes the details of Romans can get us bogged down. But it's as if Paul is saying, remember all of this, no matter what's happening, no matter how the frustration you may feel, uh, as, as a Jew or Gentile in this situation is you're coming together and trying to put do church together when you both see yourselves very, very differently. Remember to not forget to go out and to share the message of God with the people around you. Um, and sometimes we can get wrapped up in, in the things that are happening in my life or the things that are happening in the church or whatever, and we get distracted and forget the most important thing that we can be doing. And we have no idea what type of impact that can make. And so that's important for us to remember. And if you look at the very end of this section of Scripture here, Romans uh, chapter 9 through a way of, of praising God. Um, and it says, and Paul says, Oh, the depths of the rich of the Lord, or who has been in the story of Job. Job was greatly blessed by God. Satan came and said, He's only follows you, God, because he's blessed. And God says, Take it all away and see what happens. And Satan took it all away, and Job was left with nothing. And he cries out to God and wrestles through the rest of the book of Job, trying to figure out if this is fair, if it's not, and all that kind of thing. And God answers him in the end. And God doesn't give the answer maybe that all of us would want. He doesn't explain it piece by piece. But what God tells Job, he says, wait a minute, Job. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when, when, when I make the clouds go up? Do you know the, how the currents of the sea work? And he just goes through and talks about all this. Job, do you understand that stuff? And Job says, oh, I spoke out of turn. All right, I get it. And God's point there is, Job, 
you be you and you let me be me, all right? And that's really, I think, what God is, is saying here to uh, the people there in Rome that are listening to this. That's 2,000 years ago is there's a whole lot of things that you may feel anger, you may feel frustration, you may think, wait a minute, God has, as a Jewish person, I've put all this effort into following God, and then these bacon-eating Gentiles come in and they sit beside me, this just does not seem fair. And God's response is, your job is to be faithful. You let me be God. That, that maybe on, at times, I need to just say, God, I'm going to let you be God, and I'm going to be silent. I'm just going to do what I know that you want me to do right here. The Roman geared out. And we'll see that in the next chapters especially when we get to the really nuts and bolts practical stuff. Because they had to decide, as a person who is a Jewish different, this person next to me is not the person that I would choose to be sitting next to me, but I accept them as a child of God because God has. And I'm going to find a way for us to move together forward in unity and love and harmony, and I'm going to seek peace in any way I can. I'm not going to stir the pot. I'm not going to make problems because I know that God can use somehow all of us here working together to do something great for his kingdom. And that is true for us as well. The times that we may feel like we're different, whereas here in this valley, we're not all that different. We're pretty similar. But even us, we can find ways that we, that we may look at each other and think that we're different. We think that you know, this person does that that way and it bothers me or I would rather this be like that. All of us tend towards that. Maybe something to remember in those times is, I'm going to let God be God. And I'm going to focus on where I need to be right now. And I'm going to know that God's working in this situation beyond what I can see or understand. And uh, when, when I approach God that way, I find myself um, um, having a whole lot more joy in life. See, that same type of thing would have been true in their case, is being able to, God has a plan and he's bigger than than any differences or, or, or whatever I may see. And that's saying, God, help me be part of your mission. And